Well, just to say one other announcement uh, for this um, coming uh, week ahead. It's going to be a real high point for us as a church, a week that I think will have huge influence on what God will be doing among us as a people. And of course, it's this, it's our Breakthrough Prayer Week, which begins tonight. All right, that's a week where we draw aside from our busy schedules and give ourselves as a church to pray. And so just to go through the schedule quickly, 7 p.m. tonight in the church offices is the first one. Tuesday at 7.30 p.m., again in the offices, gathering to pray. Wednesday, this is prayer lunchtime down in the CBD if you work down there. Text Nat if you want to know the details about that. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday, connect groups this week. We'll have a prayer kind of element in it, in your, in your connect group at least. And then Saturday evening, we're going to meet together to pray and to, to worship from 7.30 p.m. until midnight. That's Saturday night in the church offices. Okay, so just to flag that up. And, um, and it's a week I really look forward to. We do it periodically throughout the year. But it's a week I look forward to because I know we're looking for a church to come through that only God can build. It's not enough to gather people. We're looking for what God wants to bring through. So, so we need to pray. We need to pray. And so to help us on our way, I thought I'd focus on prayer a bit today. All right. So we're going to be focusing a little bit on prayer. Because the truth is, no matter how long we've been believers for, we do still need help to pray, don't we, if we're honest. I certainly do. I mean, I've been a believer since I was 16, a teenager, not that long ago. Well, no, it was a long, long, long time ago. And uh, I've got shelves full of books on prayer. And I've been to prayer conferences. And I've got favorite sermons I listen to again and again on prayer. And yet, you know, I still don't always find it easy to pray. And uh, I still know what it is, actually, occasionally to fall soundly asleep while I pray. I don't know if anybody else knows that feeling. Not every time, praise God, but there have been times when I've woken up with my face planted in the carpet, in my dribble, waking up thinking, I, I was going to pray. What happened, Lord, as if it's his fault? And uh, all right, so most of us need help to pray. So this morning, I want to share with you what I think is one of the great foundations and encouragements for prayer, certainly encouraging for me. And it kind of comes off the back of something I shared several Sundays ago now on coming near to God, the presence of God. We did a, a session on that several Sundays ago. So today is a kind of part two to that. I hope you don't mind, kind of a part two. But I'm going to start with another scripture and I want you to read it through with me. So here it is, it's Romans 5. Uh, is it going to work? There we go, Romans 5. I want us all to pitch in. Wonderful passage, here we go, off we go. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Now that's actually a great verse, but I'm going to pray and ask God to speak it to us, all right? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for the songs that we've been singing this morning about, about coming to you, about running to you, about your blood, the blood of your Son, to bring us there. And Father, we pray, Lord, that you would teach us about prayer today, even off the back of that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen. 
All right, great passage. Now, you may be looking at it thinking, well, Pete, great passage, but it doesn't actually talk about prayer. But I want to argue that actually it does. It does. And all because of that one word, access. Access. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. See, see, access is a strong word, isn't it? If you have it, nothing can stop you from getting in. And if you don't have it, you can't. All right? We all need access. And actually, if you think about it, there are many places and people that you and I just do not have access to. I mean, one would be the Prime Minister, Jacinda. Now, I know I voted. Well, I didn't vote. No, I don't know what I voted, actually. (laughs) I know votes came in for Jacinda. But even though she's my Prime Minister, I can't just walk up to her door and invite myself in for a cup of tea. I don't have that kind of access. And if I try, apparently there are three armed security guards 24-7 guarding her house. And one of them is this guy here. (laughs) Oh, he looks so mean. Imagine having him following you around all day. Hi, Jacinda. I mean... He's looking so, he looks so creepy, let alone anything else. And if I started banging on Jacinda's door, he'd take me out in a second, probably eat me or something. He looks absolutely vicious. Certainly, we don't have easy access to Jacinda. Then, of course, there's the lady who owns this house. I still remember years ago when I first went to the UK, I, I said to my friends over here, I'm going to Buckingham Palace to see my queen. Of course, the reality is it's just not possible. Actually, the other day, I looked on the internet, kind of Googled away, how can I meet the Queen? And I I just want to say, basically, you can't, all right? Basically, I don't have access. The most I can do is find out where she's going to be and wave at her from the crowd, or find out what hospital she's going to open, go outside the hospital, injure myself, and hopefully occupy a bed that she'll pass as she goes down the corridor. I don't have access. And as for this guy here, well, I Googled that too. How can I meet the president? Reality is you won't get within a mile of him. You just won't. You don't have access. Now, now these guys are one thing, but what about higher still? What about access to God? Well, again, in the Old Testament, access was pretty well impossible. All right? Pretty well impossible. And we touched on this several Sundays ago. If you remember, in the Old Testament, God himself, yes, technically he was among his people, but he had to be hidden from them, had to be hidden away. And if you remember, we looked at the tabernacle, and we said that in the back of that tent there is a small little place called the Most Holy Place. And in that room, the Most Holy Place, was a a box called the Ark. And on top of the box, the box there, the Ark, was the divine presence of God and uh, that's that's God himself and while you could pray to him from a distance you know from outside the tabernacle hello you couldn't actually come before him didn't have access to his presence you couldn't really engage with him in that way and be sure that your requests were being responded to no one could because of course God is absolutely holy and mankind is sinful Sin and God's holiness don't mix. And so in Exodus 33, God says to Moses, 
no one can see me and live. In other words, you're sinful, you don't have access. And on the one occasion a man does catch a glimpse of God, he's devastated by it. If you look at Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah the prophet is in the temple and he looks up and Isaiah says this, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And that holy, 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 it's not just repetition, it's about emphasis. It's like the angels are saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. It's about emphasis. And then the next verse goes on to say this, At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am undone, or I'm, I'm destroyed. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. As I knew, he did not really have access to this. He really shouldn't be there. Not in a sinful state. Ever been in a place where it suddenly dawns on you, you shouldn't be there? I remember years ago, uh, when I first got to the UK, I worked for British Airways, just outside Gatwick Airport. In fact, we, we worked close to the airstrip of Gatwick Airport. My first day, I went out to find the canteen, wanted a pie, walked along, I, I walked past the sign, didn't read what the sign said, and I was walking along, walked across a, a white strip, looked up, and realised that I was within inches of the runway at Gatwick Airport. I, look, I knew that because I looked up and I saw a plane flying in. And I suddenly dawned on me, I shouldn't be here. And uh, the sign said, don't go past this point, a 10,000 pound fine. So I scurried back again very quickly. Point is, I didn't have access, I shouldn't have been there. And in fact, throughout the Old Testament, there was only ever one person who truly had access to God, the high priest. And he had it only one day a year, uh, and he could enter into the most holy place to present an offering on behalf of the people. So, so access to God's presence was never ever really allowed, because our sin had never been dealt with. And of course, this remained throughout the years of the Old Testament. Yes, you could pray, but it was always from a distance. And, and yes, there were times when God came near to a particular special person, a, a king or a prophet. But for you and me, the average Jew, as it were, we couldn't approach access denied. Until, as we saw a few Sundays ago, there's a moment in history when everything changes. When God sends his son sends Jesus to come and die on a cross. And as he dies, he takes all the sins of all who would believe in him. I mean, we've been singing about this stuff. It's wonderful. All our sins. All our shame and filth. You know, those things that you've thought and done, which if the person next to you found out about, you'd be so embarrassed. He took upon himself. And in return, the Bible says he gave us his righteousness. So he takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness. And so we come back to Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. In other words, after thousands of years of access denied, thousands of years of no one being able to be in the presence of God, suddenly through Jesus, the barrier of sin has come down. Access into his presence has been granted all because of God's Son. It's all about the Son. In a funny kind of way, it reminds me of many years ago when my kids were younger than they are and they all still lived at home and my kids still went to school and they'd invite people back from school and sometimes they'd bring, bring people into the house I'd never seen before, total strangers. And uh, I still remember one occasion running down the stairs in our house into the kind of uh, kitchen area only to see someone I'd never seen before with their head in the pantry taking bread and biscuits from the pantry. And I remember coming, my first, my first reaction was, who are you? And what are you doing in my pantry? And then the door swung back slightly more, and I saw my son. And the penny dropped. And I thought, oh, okay, you're here because of my son. That's okay. It's like you have free access because of him. Just don't take the Tim Tams. <laughs> I'll kick you out. That's not what God wouldn't say that, of course. God wouldn't say, have the Tim Tams. No, no. It's a bit like what's happening here. We have access through his son. And you see, this changes everything about prayer, coming back to prayer. Because now, rather than being afraid to come near to God and told to stay away, now, now it's the opposite. We are told to come, come, come. And so Hebrews 10 says this, as we've been singing earlier, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near to God. Nat said earlier, I have to explain about the blood. We don't often sing so many songs, really, but, and I didn't know the songs we were going to sing. But it's true. It's, a, it's the, the, the most holy place, a place no one could come into in the Old Testament now it's come, come in, come in. And by the way, that most holy place, that room in the tabernacle, Hebrew says that actually it was just a copy of a heavenly reality. In other words, there's a heavenly, most holy place, even more glorious. And Jesus, the great Lamb of God, has gone through the heavens, and actually it's that holy place that is now open to us. Wow. And now it's come, come, come. And we're not just coming to a, a little box in Jerusalem, we're coming to the throne room of God. And not only do we have access to that place now, we are really commanded, exhorted to come. Amazing. That's why I love uh, Hebrews chapter 4, and we've been singing about this as well earlier. If I can get it up. Hebrews 4, let us come boldly to God's throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Boldly to God's throne of grace. It was another phrase meaning the most holy place in the Old Testament. But of course now literally means the throne of grace. God's throne of grace. And so here he's saying come, come boldly. It's like Come on, church, where are you? Come, come before him that he might impart mercy and grace to help, that he might answer your prayers. 
that he might answer your prayers. You see, I just find, I, I was thinking about this as I was preparing. I find it astonishing, really. You see, you and I, we may never have access to Jacinda. You know, we, we may never be allowed to stand before the Queen. We may never have a chance to petition the President. But, but frankly, who cares? <laughs> who cares? We have access to the most holy place and an invitation to come. I mean, Aaron and Moses and Isaiah would be blown away by this. That we should be given such access to God. They only dreamt of it. They never saw it. We get to experience it. And folks, the point is, this is the place from which we pray. And knowing that changes everything about how we pray. Surely. I mean, for one thing, I pray knowing, convinced that I am heard. Right? Why? Because I know where I am. I'm not in some outer court of heaven. All right? Some faraway place trying to get God's attention. Hello, I'm over here. I'm not afraid that my prayers are being drowned out by the multitude worshipping before the throne. No, I'm before his throne. Now, I know it doesn't look like that in this gym, but from God's perspective, that's exactly where I am. And also, also, I'm not holding back thinking, well, does God even want to hear my prayers? I mean, I'm not a great believer. I struggle in areas. I, I don't know whether I read my Bible enough. Why would he even want to hear me? But you see, it's got nothing to do with my performance as a believer. It's about the performance of his son. Hebrews 10, 19, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Sam was singing it, the precious blood of Jesus. I thought it was beautiful. It's because of his blood. See, the fact is, no one could ever perform well enough to earn the position before his throne. Doesn't matter how good you think you are, you'd never be good enough. The Father sent his Son to die to set this up. It's because of his perfection that I am here before his throne of grace. Angels, let me tell you, are amazed. <laughs> Isaiah will be totally blown away. But that's where I'm praying from. This week, that's where I'm going to be. You see, don't be fooled. Tonight, I'm not going to be in the church offices. Oh, now, I will be. But really, I'm going to be before the throne of grace. The most holy place. Laying my request before a God who is eager and happy to hear my prayers. That changes everything. Suddenly, I want to be there. Knowing this changes everything. I think as believers, we still don't fully get this. You know, we, we often quote, some of us older ones at least, we, we quote that verse in Psalm 84 and we sing that song, I would rather be a doorkeeper in your house. You know that song, anybody? And I would rather be a doorkeeper in your house than to live my whole life somewhere else. But folks, I'm not a doorkeeper in his house. I'm a son who belongs before his throne of grace. And that's where I pray from. So I know I'm heard, 
And then, and then secondly, knowing I have such access and invitation, I know by definition, look, I'm expected to pray massive prayers just by virtue of who I'm coming before. I mean, I mean, think about it for a second. If you really had half an hour with the President of the United States, all right, if you really had that time, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I think I would probably ask him for a few small favours, you know, uh, maybe a, a better job or, or new shoes or maybe even a nice car. But look, if you really knew that you are before the president of the greatest superpower, I'd ask for other things too. How about peace in the Middle East? <laughs> you know, how, about, how, about, how about money for the, the, the drought in Ethiopia? How about a few law changes bringing down the price of pharmaceuticals for the poor? I'd ask things like that. Now, I couldn't ask my local MP that because he's not leading a superpower, but, but the president is. Folks, who he is demands you ask big things. Folks, we're coming before the Alpha and the Omega. The one who was and is and is to come. The one who spun the stars out into space and called them each by name. <laughs> The one who sustains all things. The king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Now, if you knew you had half an hour with him, what would you ask him? Now, I'd ask him for some small things because he loves me. I'd ask him for breakthroughs in my family or, or maybe breakthroughs in finance or, or God help me with my kids as they work their way through school. Yeah, I'd ask him for the small things because he loves me. But, but listen, I'd also ask him for some other things. Surely, surely we would. I'm going to be this week asking him for the nation. God, please turn the nation. Cause this nation to have a new hunger for you. God, revive us. I'm going to ask him that as well. I'm going to ask him to bring through a glorious church. I'm going to pray for this church to be glorious. Full of his grace and love and power. A real home or Turanga YY for every tribe and tongue. Now that's a miracle, but he can do it. So I'm going to be asking for those things. And surely, as I'm asking for those things, surely he will be expecting me to. He set this whole thing up. I'm going to be asking for the knowledge of his glory to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's what I'm going to be doing this week. Folks, I'm going to be praying for real breakthroughs this week. I really am, because I'm appearing before the God of the breakthrough, the one who is above every tribe and tongue. And I love church history, Julian's going to read something in a second. I love church history. I love the stories of women and men who did that, who really did approach God's throne of grace and prayed really big prayers and saw amazing breakthroughs in their day. And I just want to encourage you by closing with a favorite story of mine about an event that occurred uh, in the country of Ireland, whoop, Ireland back in 1859 in Ulster. That's that top purple bit, Ulster. Back in 1859, something remarkable happened. And Julian's going to just read through uh, what, it, what actually happened. The microphone's there, mate, should be working. 
He's going to read it through. Just listen to the story as a group of people appeared before the gracious throne of God and began to pray big prayers. Thanks, mate. In September 1857, four young Irishmen began a weekly prayer meeting in a village school near Kells, not far from Ballymena. From there, the number of these small prayer meetings increased until by 1859, the Reverend J.H. Moore was able to report, in all directions, prayer meetings have sprung up without number. They are conducted with a burning earnestness for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and for the conversion of souls. The Spirit has descended in power. On the 14th of March, the four young Irishmen organised a great prayer meeting. Such a tremendous crowd pressed into the church that they cleared the building for fear of the galleries collapsing. Outside, in the chilling rain, someone began to preach with such anointing and power that soon hundreds were on their knees in the mud. A few weeks later, on May 17th, it seemed the whole town was in the grip of the Spirit of God's convicting power. Careless men became earnest about their soul's salvation, and many broke down and sobbed like children. According to one report, ministers who had often toiled in heartless sorrow suddenly found themselves beset by inquirers. Churches were crowded, families prayed together, prayer meetings often carried on into the night. On June the 7th, a great open-air meeting was held in Coleraine. Such great crowds gathered that they had to be divided into several groups, each to be addressed by different ministers. God's presence was an awesome reality. Many came under deep conviction. Many prostrations occurred. It carried on through the following day, and in the evening the marketplace was crowded. As the gospel was preached, many sank down to the ground with bitter cries, seeking the Lord for mercy." Once started, the revival fires spread quickly throughout Ulster, so that through 1859, an estimated 100,000 people were swept into the kingdom. And the lasting benefits of the revival were well recorded. A large whiskey distillery in Belfast was put up for auction. The trade had so fallen off. In the Connor area, two pubs had to close because the publicans got converted and a third closed for lack of trade. The May's race course in October drew only 500 people instead of the usual 10,000. Mocking gave way to fear and reverence as the revival progressed. In Coleraine in 1860, the grand jury of the quarter sessions were informed that crime had been reduced to almost negligible proportions. Throughout Ulster, judges several times found themselves without cases to try. In County Antrim, at one period during the awakening, it was noted that there was not one prisoner in police custody and not one crime reported to the police. Wow. It's phenomenal. Wouldn't you love that here? Wouldn't you love such a sweep of God? It's only God. It's not evangelistic techniques here. This is God visiting, awakening, or reviving his church and awakening many beyond it. 
This is a sovereign work of grace. But, but interestingly, it comes out of a, four young men actually beginning. So Edwin Orr, a great revival uh, commentator, says, this revival, which originated in a prayer meeting of four young men in a village schoolhouse of Kells, made greater impact spiritually on Ireland than anything else known since the days of St. Patrick. I mean, it's massive. A hundred thousand lives are transformed. A whole society is changed. Can I just say, this week is at least partly about that. And we're going to pray for breakthroughs across the board in all kinds of ways. But certainly, if I'm coming and I know before the throne of grace to the one who spun the stars out into, sky, in the sky, into space, and the one who is intent, who so loved the world that he gave his son, I'm going to be praying big prayers as well for this nation and this whole area. Let's do it. Let's pray breakthrough prayer. And that's what this week is about. So I just want to ask you as I close, why don't you come? Why don't you come along? If you can't come to all, then come to some. Come to some. Join us before his throne of grace. And if you're aware that prayer hasn't featured much in your life and, and you know God is speaking to you about it, then listen, the access is open. And the invitation is there. Come boldly before his throne of grace. Even this morning, do you need a breakthrough? Well, you're in the right place if you're before his throne of grace. Amen? Let's stand, shall we?